Aloha, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Doze Nose. It's been a great week. Just coming off of Memorial Day weekend. Had a blast. Took my son Jake and his buddy Kalai. They just got out of high school. Summer break. Took them down to pine trees. The surf was firing. The sun was blazing. And if you looked at me, you could tell it was blazing because... I'm bronzed out to the max. I know all you ladies love that, but all the rest of the crew, they just got fried. Yeah, it was bubbling, blistering out there, but it is gorgeous, sunny. I love living in Hawaii. So lucky. I know a lot of you people are pretty, you know, jealous that we live out here and get to enjoy all this nature that God gave us. But um, if you're so jealous, get over here. Come hang out with me. I will take you to some of the most amazing places on the planet. Beaches, waterfalls, it's lava flows. It's We have it all right here on the big island, right here in Kona. And speaking of right here in Kona, I got to hang out with a friend of mine today down at Kohanaiki Resort, Parker McLaughlin, PGA Pro golfer, um, native-born Hawaiian, um, currently resides in Scottsdale, Arizona. And he's out of here tomorrow, off for Memphis to do a PGA Tour event or something like that. And he was, I was lucky enough to sit down with him and just kind of talk and bullshit. And we had a blast. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode. And Parker, welcome to the show. Welcome to Doe's Nose, dude. Dude. How are you? Stoked to be on the show, man. Let's uh, let's have some good chats. I'm telling you, you know, I was just telling you a second ago that the last time I was in this holly, we're here at the beautiful Kohanaiki Resort, um, right in Kona. I did a podcast right on that counter right there with G-Love. Some good mana in this, in this holly, so bro. much good mana. Number <laughs> eight, dude. Holly eight. I know, man. This is, uh, this is our home away from home, and... Uh, man, we could spend like 30, 40 days here and it's, this place is, it's paradise, man. It really yeah. is. It's, it's rejuvenating for the soul and, and man, I get to travel to so many places across the, the country and, and even the world and, and coming to a place like this, you're just like, dude, this is just, it's just like, it just fills you up with good vibes oh, and, yeah. and just rejuvenates you for the next months of travel until you get well, to come back here. Well, you grew up here in Hawaii. Over on Oahu, right? Yeah, born and raised on Oahu, and um, you know, right, right next to Punahou University of grad. Hawaii. Yeah. yeah, I walked to I walked to school for 13 years. Wow, dad was a teacher uh, at Punahou for 37 years. Oh, and so yeah, I walked to school for 13 years, and then I got offered a, a scholarship to go to UH, mm-hmm. and Punahou was like five minutes walk one direction, and UH was like a four minute walk the other direction. I'm like. Man, I don't think I want to keep walking to school. I think I want to spread my wings. So, right. so then I went over to UCLA and and uh, spent five years there. And you know, going. What'd you f- study? What's that? What'd you study? Uh, I studied girls and golf uh, with a little sociology <laughs> mixed in. Right, right. I know that one. <laughs> um, 
No, it was, man, it was awesome. I, it was one of the coolest, coolest experiences going from such a small island to big city life, you mm -hmm. know. Um, UCLA is, is, is a sweet place, and, and I learned a lot, grew up a lot, and just learned a lot about life in general, you know, yeah. being there. Now, you, there's a lot of great courses right around there. I, I know because I've remodeled them. Um, L.A. Country Club, Riviera, uh, Bel Air, Bel Air, yeah, uh, Brentwood, Brentwood, Wilshire, Hillcrest, yeah. Do you name all of them? Yeah, we we had a, a decent schedule. It was like Mondays we would play Lakeside, which mm -hmm. is a you know where a ton of sort of celebrities play Timberlake and George Lopez. A bunch of dudes play over there. Um, so we played Mondays at Lakeside. Tuesdays we play at Brentwood. Uh, Wednesdays would be Wilshire. Thursdays would be Bel Air, um, and then once in a while on Friday mornings we would get to go to Riviera. Nice. So it was a sweet little schedule, and um, but I think out of all of them, Bel Air was probably my favorite, to be yeah. honest. Yeah. Yeah, and that's you know has a lot of Fazio influence there over the years. Yeah, you can definitely. So he he did a bunch of work there. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it just yeah, the going in the bunkering. You'll yeah. see it's pretty much the same yeah but so. all those all those uh is it all those are like kind of is it william bell that did yes most of those william bell did almost all those courses Riv, LA, Riv, la yeah bel air all through that whole southern california zone yeah so yeah those are man those are just such gems you yeah. know they're just tucked away you can't you wouldn't even know they're there unless you're a golf aficionado oh, yeah. there's there's one in ontario um, can't remember what the name of it is, but yeah, nobody even knows. And it's another William Bell course. I got to do all of these courses and I, oh, I kind man. of felt so honored. You know, I was on this little track where being invited, hey, let's, here's another William Bell course. Let's remodel this thing. And I'm just like, yeah, dude, this is kind of cool. <laughs> you just don't want to make any any wrong, any wrong moves, right? Right. Well, luckily he's dead. Those things are so. gems. He <laughs> <laughs> yeah. can't come back and bite me. <laughs> That's right. But, um, that's awesome, dude. L.A., growing up, golfing. How did you get, uh, how old were you when you first started golfing? I was eight. Um, you know, my parents were both basketball, volleyball, mm -hmm. um, just sort of, you know, anything outdoors, soccer, whatever. And, and your so mom I played, was professional. Yeah, my mom was, uh, she was an Olympic volleyball player. And um, and dad was a two-sport two athlete at um, Stanford. So... Yeah, between the two of them, I mean, I had some, I had some good genes there um, working for me. Yeah. So I was a, I was a gym rat. Dad was a basketball coach, and um, so I was always at the gym, whether it was his basketball team or his volleyball team. I was always in there shagging balls, you know, just being the doing the mm -hmm. grunt work and then shooting a few hoops on the side. So you know, dude, I was, I was a gym rat first and foremost, and then all of a sudden I was introduced to golf at eight years old. And I'm like, man, this is kind of sweet. Like, yeah, if it's all on me, right? I mean, like, it doesn't matter if, if my teammate shows up late. I don't I'll have to run. The, I don't have to run. Yeah, I don't have to run lines because he's late. I can like, you know, if I make a par, it's on me. If I make a bogey, it's on me. If, right. if I want to practice a bunch, so I like that that it was the onus was on me. Right. Um, I didn't have to rely on another teammate good or bad um it was on me it wasn't like a coach's decision you're not gonna play mm -hmm. golf was just man you put up the scores you're gonna make it right. or you're not 
Um, and I, I was really drawn to that. I mean, I was a team sport guy to begin with, but that really drew me to golf was that, that individual aspect of you get out what you put in. Mm-hmm. And that was really, that was really what drew me. But I mean, I, I, I was in the water, you know, body surfing, surfing, canoe paddling, um, soccer, volleyball, golf, Your basketball. Canoe paddling this morning with some dolphins. Yeah, yeah. We took a nice little two man canoe out with uh, with my boy Dusty down there at the shack, and yeah. and yeah, we we uh, we ran into a, a pod of dolphins, about maybe thirty to sixty of them. Kind of hard wow. to tell, but man, these things were just cruising, maybe arm's length from me to you. They're just coming up and checking up our our two man out. Yeah, it was, you know, just experiences like that are so. Just like They're wow, magical. just magical. Oh yeah, magical. So <laughs> sorry, yeah, was, I didn't mean to sidetrack. No, either. no, but, but that <laughs> was kind of my background in in um, you know growing up in um, in the whole sports world, so to so to speak, and and um, you know I just always had that sort of sports mentality with mm-hmm. my parents, with their extensive background in um, in sports and. You know, and and I just always had that competitiveness to me. I was just always, and whether I was playing ping pong or, you know, just Portuguese horseshoes, sure. or whatever it is, it's like I wanted to beat you. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's just always been in me. So, um, yeah, it, it 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 seemed like a natural path to just sort of see where it took me. Right, and and at that time, how old are you? Uh, thirty, just made thirty-seven. Okay, cool. You're still pretty young. Yeah. Um, golf team you just kind of progressed into a golf team or or just did they have teams on like some of the courses you had or was it a yeah just thing? kind of progressed to like a bunch of ju- like at the time it was oahu junior golf uh-huh. and yeah we just just played tournaments and figured out man i kind of love this you know right. this is sweet and then going to other islands and competing against those kids and then we'd all kind of get together and then we'd fly to san diego and we played tory pines in the junior worlds and we'd compete against the the world, so mm-hmm. to speak, and and um, yeah, it was a blast, man. We, I just I fell in love with the with the game, with the competitiveness, with putting up scores that counted. Um, it was to me, it was like, dude, this is this is what I want to do. And I told my dad at like twelve years old, my dad drove this like beater, like nineteen eighty four Toyota Tercel. That like you close the door and like it would rain rust. You oh know? wow! And, <laughs> I think I had one of those. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and so I told him I think I was twelve years old. I was like, Dad, I'm like, you know, when I went on tour, I'm gonna buy you a Lexus. And sure enough, you know, I ended up winning on tour and made good on my promise when I was twelve years old. But um, I bought now, him a Lexus. You did win when you were twelve and buy him a car. <laughs> you was a little bit later down the road. Just a right? little, yeah. It took me about twenty. 20, yeah, about 18 years, 18 years to get there. But I finally made good on that promise. But, you know, I just, I had that mentality inside of me. I was like, you know, I want to, I'm going to win on the PGA tour. And when that was when I was 12 years old, you know, so I I always sort of had that sort of highway that was out in front of me. Like, okay, I know where I want to go. And I think at 12 years old, I think that that's kind of a rare thing, you know, to, to, to know what you want to do. With your life. Well, it seems like most of the professional athletes in the world, you know, all these top guys like yourself, they know young. Yeah. And they want it and they go for it and they make it happen. Yeah. And just like you, you've made it happen from that point. So Yeah, and it's I mean, you that highway is there, right? I mean, you know uh-huh. that pathway is there, but there's a lot of, you know, boulders on the road that you gotta 
put a lot of hard work in to moving those out of the way so that you can get on that highway. And, and it's that interesting combination of, you know, hard work, you got to have the drive and you got to have the right mindset. You know, I think at the end of the day, what separates a Jason Day or a Jordan Spieth from the guy that's 200th in the world or even the guy that is your club champion at your home course that shoots 66 every time and you're like, why can't you make it? Right. It's all mental. You mm-hmm. know, it's all mental. Jordan Spieth is, I mean, that dude's the best mentally since Tiger Woods, without a doubt. Mm-hmm. And you see Jason Day, what he's doing right now with getting advice from Tiger. I mean, he's going to Tiger and saying, dude, p- let me pick your brain. I want to know how to beat these guys. I want to be mentally better than the rest of the world. Right. And so taking that back to, you know, when you're 12 years old and knowing like, okay, I want to go on this path of being a professional golfer and there's hard work physically, there's hard work emotionally, and then there's the hard work mentally. Mm -hmm. And some people aren't cut out to do it. Some people are cut out to do it, but there's still a lot of, you know, hard work and time spent that you need to, you know. Whose brain did you pick to help you go? Um... I had this this unbelievable sports psychologist named Don Green, Mm -hmm. um, and he spent a lot of time. He did a a ton of stuff with Olympic athletes. He he spent a lot of time with Greg Louganis back in in the mid '80s, the diver, diver, yeah, Yeah. who was unbelievable, and uh, maybe the one of the you know top mental athletes of all time. And Don sort of morphed into um, working with top level musicians working with um, top-level executives at, um, what is it, Merrill Lynch, back in, you know, their stock traders. Oh, yeah. He would teach them how to, how to trade without fear. Ah. And it was like, he got, he got a real kick out of that. It was a really cool experience. But anyway, so he was my guy. I ended up running into him here in Hawaii. He had 9-11 happened, and he spent six months doing grief counseling for all the Merrill Lynch traders and everybody. And then retired, moved to Hawaii. And that's when I, I just moved back from college and I ran into him and met him and, and we spent the next few years working together. And, and that's, you know, he took me from being an average college player, finished second, maybe once or twice in college, hmm. never won a college tournament to then all of a sudden, you know, turning pro winning a couple times on a mini tour the first year, winning another couple times the next year, you know, going to the web.com tour, finish, finishing second three times that year, finishing wow. like 25th on the money list, and then um, working my way onto the PGA Tour, and then two years later, winning on tour. So it was just like a steady progression from a guy that was, you know, I was pretty good, but like mentally I just wasn't, I wasn't the guy. Yeah. And then I started to believe that I am the guy. Um, and that changed, everything sort of changed, and I started winning and winning and winning. Um, and then the more you win, the more you believe in yourself. So, um, that was kind of the the evolution for me. And now I, I pick his brain and I've been spending a lot of time with Paul Azinger, uh, over the last, like probably two, three years picking his brain quite a bit because that guy was, you know, for about eight years time, that guy was like the guy in like late eighties, early nineties. I mean, this dude was, he was the man, especially with like Ryder Cup, mm-hmm. you know, highest pressure possible. And it was like, Paul Azinger is the guy. It was like, I think Seve Ballesteros had the, had the quote. He said, he said, yeah, there's 11 nice guys on the American team and Paul Azinger. 
<laughs> and I mean, all the Europeans, they didn't want to face him in the, in the matches. Right. And he had, he just had, he had the, the mental mindset to beat these guys and to perform at the highest level. And he would, we've talked so many times about how, um, he was so nervous. He couldn't spit. He was mm-hmm. so nervous. He couldn't like eat that morning, wanted to throw up the night before cause he was so nervous, but he found a way to deal with it through breathing, through visualization, through, um, you know, just uh, muscle relaxation techniques. And so that part of it, um, I've been picking his brain and trying to regain some of that swagger that I had a few years right. ago. And, what, and try what to work makes my way you back. nervous when you're on tour? Is it oh my gosh. just the amount of people <laughs> that are out there? You know, no, it's it's more. I mean, it's if you're the thing is like if you're if you're not nervous, you're not playing for big enough stakes, right? You know, if you're not nervous, you're not in the you you just you're out there BS and playing with your playing with your boys, playing mm-hmm. for nothing, playing with beers, whatever. But if if you're in a place where you're getting nervous, you got to embrace that, mm-hmm. and you got to want to be in a spot where I'm playing and I'm playing for something so great that it's making me nervous. Right. And that's the spot you want to be in. You know, you want to get to that. You want to get to that spot so that, um, but then you have to figure out a way to deal with those nerves. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, when I was here, uh, a, f- a few months back on Kona playing, uh, in the Hawaii state open tournament, I've come back and played a few times and, and I had the lead after after two days, and you know, going to the last last nine holes, and I'm two shots back. A guy that I was playing with shot thirty on the front nine to catch me, and I'm a couple shots back going to the back nine. And all of a sudden, I go birdie, birdie, par, par, birdie, eagle, and now I'm two shots up with two holes to go. And you know, all of a sudden, you're like, "Ooh, all right." I, I want to put my name on this trophy. I've always right. wanted to win this Hawaii State Open. I want to put my name up here with the rest of the Hawaii, the, the legendary Hawaii golfers. Mm-hmm. And you get nervous, and then all of a sudden you you do things you don't you didn't do the first sixteen holes, you right. know. And um, so anyway, you know, long story short, I end up going into a playoff and being nervous again, but dealing with it and hitting some good shots and hitting some good putts and. Uh, unfortunately, I ended up losing on the fifth playoff hole, but it was still, I felt good about how I performed. I felt good about how I executed, although being extremely nervous and wanting to win really, really bad. So, you know, it's, 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 you want to be in that spot where you're, you're nervous yeah. because that means, that means you're playing for something that matters to you, mm-hmm. you know? And I think, I'm sure, like, you ask other musicians or other professional athletes, Dude, if they're not nervous, then they're just, you know, if, if a musician's not nervous, then he's just sitting up there playing for like 10 people. Yeah, it was funny because um, this last, what was it, I think October, I was in California. Um, I was hanging out with Perry Farrell from Jane's Addiction. And, mm-hmm. uh, we went and did this big Aftershock concert um, in Sacramento. And uh, there was this, it was so many different bands. And I remember leaving his show, and I was on my way back to his part of the backstage area where his little trailer was, and I run across another guy. I'm not going to say his name, um, but one of the he was the headliner of the of the whole event for for that aftershock thing, and um, 
And he stops me and he's like, Doze, what are you doing? And I'm like, yeah, I was just cruising over here with Perry and all these guys. And uh, he's like, here, sit down with me for a sec. He's literally about to go on stage. I look like 100,000 people. I don't even know. It was so many people. And, and he's like, I'm nervous as hell, dude. I'm shitting. I feel like I'm going to throw up. And I'm like, what? Dude, you do this all over the world. He goes, and every single time before I go up on stage, I feel like I'm going to throw up. So just sit down with me for a sec, calm my nerves, tell me what's been going on, and then I'm getting up there. And I was, I was just like, holy crap, I didn't realize this. And so then I followed him up. We went backstage. Dude, he started the show, and he it was, it was like it was normal for him. He's up there. He's just rocking. He's tearing it up. And I was, I was like, holy crap, I can't believe that was one person there and then one person here you know yeah and it's it's a it's a trip because it's you know it's in every profession right that uh-huh. those nerves like how do you deal with them if you got a sales pitch or whatever in front of 10 people like how do you deal with those nerves and to me like i think it 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 it's universal it, it your job my job mm-hmm. everybody's job at some point well, most people's job. At some point, you're going to be nervous. Yeah. It's, it's, and it's, For me, I think it would be like Adriana Lima or something like that. <laughs> I mean, that's the only thing that's going to get me nervous. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like, how do you deal with those nerves to then still perform at a level that is, you know, acceptable or at a level that's for professional athletes mm-hmm. or for musicians that's at, a, at an exceptional level yeah. where people want to come back and see you or where... You know, you you make the right score where you can move on to the next stage or or whatever it might be. It's like you you have to figure out when you're going to get nervous, mm-hmm. how to deal with it, how to breathe through it, how to you know use your mind, you know, get your mind on other things, and how to how to get past that stuff because it's right. it's prevalent throughout you know nearly almost every job. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, mo- throughout most jobs that mean something. I mean, I'm sure you're nervous, like, you know, reshaping L.A. Country Club. You're like, this thing's a gem or Torrey Pines or Pebble or whatever it is. It's like, so you're shaping, like, history. history. Yeah, history. absolutely. And it's like, surely you're nervous, and I'm sure you're probably thinking it the night before, like, man, I hope I don't fuck this up, you know? Yeah. And then that morning, you're probably like, man, I, I don't need an extra thing of coffee. I don't want to get a little jerky. It's like, but you got to figure out what works for you mm-hmm. to then get you through that and then to be able to make a masterpiece, right? I mean, you want you want your A game to show up. Absolutely. You don't want to choke, nope. right? Nobody wants to do that. Nope. You know? And but it, that's <laughs> the thing. It's like where that fine line of like how do I get my A game without choking? Like you, where like, there's a fine line between those two. Like Jordan Spieth is a great example on at the Masters this year, mm-hmm. he had his A game that front nine. It was f- four under par. A game, was dialed in, was nervous out of his mind, I'm sure, but had his A game. And then all of a sudden he walks to the 10th tee, he tells his caddy, I think if we just make pars on the way in, I think we're going to win. Dude, that wasn't what you were thinking the first nine. Right. You were thinking, I'm, I need to make birdies. Yeah. All of a sudden he takes his foot off the gas pedal and the nerves start coming in. Yeah. And... Triple bogey and shit the bed. And it's like, but that's just, that's, you know, it's like, that's happened to everybody. It Mm -hmm. happened to Jack Nicholas. It happened to, it didn't necessarily happen to Tiger that much, but it happened to everybody. 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 Yeah. 
But I'm sure he'll learn from it and and oh, realize sure. like, man, I got to keep my foot on the gas pedal, you yeah. know, going forward. You can't, I, you can't, you can't take your foot off the gas. Yeah. And um, the second you take your foot off the gas, especially for golf, you start playing tentative. I'm sure, ba- like basketball, watching the NBA finals and stuff. It's like you these guys start playing tentative and you start missing shots. You start mm-hmm. making turnovers. Um, you got to just play the way you've been the way that you've always played. doesn't matter that the stakes are now for a gold medal or for NBA finals or for a master's green jacket sure. or reshaping, you know, history of building a, hole a, at Pebble. building a yeah. new hole at Pebble or, build, or rebuilding a hole at Pebble. It's like you have to just understand, like, I've been doing this my whole life. Yeah. You I'm go cool. in there with the confidence yeah. mm-hmm. and you own it. And that's that's how I do it. I go into every single thing with just pure confidence, and it's just me. Um, and I'm like, I've got this. I've done this so many times, I can't fail. Do you do it through like visualization, like the night before, or do you do it through just like a self talk of like, hey, I'm, I know I got, I know I got this, or do, you, or are you like, do you over prepare of like looking at the at the plans and figuring out what the grades and all that well, stuff? Something like Pebble, you know, um, say I'm redoing number seven. Um, that is something that I have to get exactly back to the way it was before. And so, yeah, it's very meticulous as far as finding those exact grades because literally they, they don't want it going a foot higher or, or doing stuff like that or dropping even lower. They want to bring it back to the way, the way it was. And so I've got to match those grades. And are you studying plans like I am the night before? Absolutely, few- right there in front of me. Okay. And I'll stop yep. and I'll look and I'm like, okay, that's wrong right there. I need to tweak that right there. But I, I've, over the years of doing it for so many, when I first started, I was nervous as hell. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. It was just pure nerves. Um, but then it just, it was like, dude, I've got this. It's just pure confidence. Yeah. And so I just go there and I'd own it. And it does. It takes time. It takes time. You you know, I think you look at people like Jack Nicholas. He built it so long. You know, by by that time, you know, he's my age or whatever. He's, it's just confidence. He's going in there with confidence. Yeah. So, yeah. And and some people develop it earlier than others. You know, some people develop that and, and it's just like, it's already in there. It's instilled in them. Mm -hmm. A guy like Jason Day, even though he's a young guy, Man, he was, I mean, I remember playing with him when he was like 19 years old. And I was like, oh, this guy is unbelievable. Yeah. But then it took him like six years until he like actually got his first PGA Tour win. He mm-hmm. web.com for a couple years and then he was on tour and he was kind of, strug- I mean, not struggling, but was just never winning. Right. And then all of a sudden it was like, maybe six, he'd been on tour for like six, seven years and he'd only had like a couple wins and now all of a sudden he's won like seven of his last 18 starts. Yeah. But it's like, it happened like, it seems like it happened like that, but it's taken a long time for him well, to get to that point. Yeah, it kind of seemed the same way with like Rory too, you know, and now he's kind of like backed off and somebody else has stepped up. and Yeah, so. Rory, Rory had it early, very yeah. early. And... And then it seemed to it seemed to have tapered off, and I think where you see it also is is in in putting. Uh-huh. You know, Spieth is the most confident guy in the world mm-hmm. on the greens, and within himself, Jason Day is starting to make those putts when it counts. Yeah, Tiger 
always made those putt when it right. counts. Nicholas always made those putts when it counted. And I think that confidence translates into, most of the time, I think, translates into the flat stick. Mm-hmm. A guy like a Bubba Watson, you can see he's, he's, he's super confident, tee to green, but you look at his body language and, and his mannerisms, and you always kind of feel like mm, he's, he seems insecure about something. Mm-hmm. He always seems insecure about something. Just in, his, just in the way he walks and the way he moves. And then you watch him putt, and you're like, okay, that's what it, that's what, that's what it is. Yeah. You just, you just never, he never looks comfortable over it. And if, I mean, if, if Bubba Watson could putt like Jordan Spieth, it would be, I mean, it would be game over. Everybody, yeah. everybody would play for second every, every week. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's that. Um, the, there's that big of a difference between where Bubba Watson's putting is and where Jordan Spieth's putting is. Mm-hmm. But you know, that's just the strengths and weaknesses of everybody's game. And you know? what are your strengths and weaknesses in your game? I've, I've, always, I've always been a great chipper and a great putter, great wedge game. Mm-hmm. You know, people would all, in college would always joke, man, you get up and down from the trash can from anywhere, from the porta potty, you get up and down yeah. from anywhere. And I always prided myself on that. Um, and in the recent years, um, since working with Paul Azinger, uh, I've gotten really good. Like my driver is like one of the best clubs in my bag. I mean, I always, I'm always straight. I always know where it's going. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not terribly long, but it's, I can always find it. Yeah. And, um, and then I've rededicated myself to inside 120 yards and just being a master at that, at those yardages. Yeah. That's what, that's my favorite zone. That that you know nine wedge or nine iron mm-hmm. and in you know yep. through my wedges I just love that yep. whole zone and just yeah and and if you if you get if you somehow get in trouble off the tee and you have to chip out and now all of a sudden you got sixty yards and some people might say oh it's an awkward yardage it's like no it's not really because I've practiced sixty yards I know what that feels like mm-hmm. I know how far sixty in the air feels like yeah so I just practice that swing and then I step up and I just rehearse it i just finish it again and it's like sweet i I mean 60 yards is i I know i'm going to get it inside of 10 feet every time because i i I know how far 60 yards flies in my golf swing exactly so but you got to put the time in um and so i've kind of rededicated myself to from 30 yards to 120 like i know how far each club but then it's it's a different sort of you know, backswing, how far it goes back. I know how far it is to fly at 45 yards. Right. <clears throat> so, you know, just rededicating myself to that has made a huge difference because now when you get in trouble, you chip out. You're not trying to hit the miracle shot or the hero shot. Yeah. You just chip out to 60 yards. Yeah, I'm going to get this up and down. No big deal. Walk on to the next hole. Yeah, my my clubs I've always had the hardest time with are like the two which you know a lot of people don't have. Yeah, but, that's uh, that's sort of gone. That's uh, sort of been like it's like a dinosaur. It's yeah, like, exactly. It's gone extinct. Right. Um, I don't have one in my bag, but I do have a three and I do have a four, and those two, fuck, I can't hit them for shit, man, and I hate it. You know, so I've I switch it up and I've got a rescue club because I know that's gonna take over for those spots. So, what kind of clubs are you hitting? Yeah, I'm I'm all Titleist. Um, I got an Odyssey two ball putter that I've used for through like a dozen years. It's just my baby. And if she's not cooperating, I bring her in bed. We snuggle together, yeah. sleep together for like a night. 
Tell my wife, just move over a little bit. We got to get reconnected here. <laughs> right. That's and, me and my surfboard. Yep. Yeah, exactly. And just kind of rekindle the, you know, rekindle the flames a little bit. Right. And then she'll treat me good the next the next round. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, I've always, you know, I mean, and, and you laugh, uh, but I actually do that. I've, I've actually, I do bring the putter inside and it'll sleep in the bed with me if, I, if it's not behaving correctly. <laughs> I love um, it. But you got to, you know, sometimes you got to do that kind of stuff, you know? Yeah. What model um, Titleist? I, the last ones I had that were Titleist were the DCIs. Yeah. So. Um, I've got the AP2s. It's the um, 714 AP2s. Got like a, a hybrid. You know, I go four through pitching wedge and then a three, three iron hybrid, uh, like a four wood and uh the new the new title is like nine fifteen driver, mm-hmm. um, and then my wedges are all um, the new title is I think it's like SM six, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think for the most part, I mean, I'll change drivers probably every two years when they come out with a new model. Mm-hmm. Wedges I'll change every probably six months. Gotcha. Um, fifty two, fifty six, and sixty I'll just swap them out every six months, and then irons. I usually like to keep them in there for at least a couple of years. Right. You know, once you find the ones that you like, mm-hmm. keep them in there. Um, and yeah, that's that's kind of my philosophy. And, and if you if you like a putter, stick with it until she until she oh, until yeah. she turns on you. <laughs> yeah, I, I still have the same putter. I've uh, one of my good friends is I don't know if you know him, Paul Legoring. He's the tour players manager for Taylor Man. Oh, absolutely. Lego, yeah. Yeah, Lego. Yeah. And so um, he hooks me up with, I don't know if I can say that or not, but yeah, he totally absolutely, hooks me yeah. up. Absolutely, yeah. So I'm Taylor Made. Friends and family. Exactly. And he's such an awesome guy. Yeah. So he I loves surfing. Love surfing. I just got a text from him uh, two days ago saying, hey, dude, I want to be on your Fiji trip. No way. So yeah, he's totally coming this year and such an awesome guy. That's awesome. So, where do you um, get what, what? What's the Fiji trip like? Um, we go to this island in Fiji called Tavarua. Yeah, you, you've probably Absolutely, heard of it, yeah. Cloud Break and restaurants. Mm-hmm. And so it's Kelly Slater and just a whole bunch of our friends. Okay, I run the whole trip. Sweet. And we go there every year. We've been doing it forever, and we just have a blast. That's um, awesome. Last year, and then we're again this year. Uh, we did this thing called for Omaze. Have you heard of them? They're the charitable Mm-mm. thing where um, they broadcast it everywhere. Hey, you know, we're doing a free trip with Shane Dorian and Ke- Kelly Slater to Tavarua for a week, uh, all expense paid for two. Okay. And so people just throw money at it, anywhere from $10 to whatever, and everybody gets an equal chance to win. Wow! And sweet. so last year we raised almost five hundred thousand dollars. No way! And they say that it's going to be well over a million this year. Dude, that's unreal. Yeah, so it's super fun, super cool, and just a bunch of surfing and drinking surfing. beers, and yeah, talking you, story. You got musicians there, artists, and um, just a bunch of cool people. That's awesome. Getting barreled out of your brains. That's awesome. That sounds like a Kelly James trip right there. Oh, Kelly he, James will be on this trip. Is he on the trip? Yeah. Cherry. <laughs> they got any golf courses there? Uh, they do on the main island. So we'll definitely, go, when it's flat, we go play golf. Sweet. Um, but speaking of Kelly James, you know, Kelly James is the one that did my theme song for Doe's Nose. 
And he's the one that actually introduced us. Yeah. And uh, Kelly James, how do you yeah. know Kelly? So Kelly, he had like a residency over in uh, Scottsdale at the W Hotel. Mm-hmm. Friday, Saturday night, maybe once a month he would come over. And I got to know Kelly through Ricky Barnes, who's a, a great friend of mine. And uh, I think... Maybe the first time we might have met is at Ricky's wedding. I think Kelly Kelly played at Ricky's wedding. This is probably like maybe for some of you people that don't know, Kelly's an amazing musician. Absolutely amazing. Yep. Um, and so Kelly played at Ricky's wedding, and I think after that we, we just kind of hit it off, and and um, he would be coming to Scottsdale, and we'd be we would just. I'd make time to to go down there on a Friday or Saturday night, um, and we would just cruise and drink some tequila, and and uh, he'd bring me up on stage, and I'd sing backgrounds background vocals for him, even though I'm terrible. Have you heard him rap? Oh, absolutely! He's I love how he's like, "Hey, just give me a word, <laughs> give me like three words." And he builds a rap out of that. Oh, like, yeah. Bam. He builds like an eight-minute rap around like oh, yeah. two words or two topics or just random, random yeah. stuff. And he makes it poignant and funny. And oh, like, my God. He's hilarious. It, like smart. Uh, he'll make it political. If it's like a political season, he'll make uh-huh. it. I mean, the dude, you know, if he's at spring training, he makes it about all the baseball guys that are there. And he makes fun of, I mean, I remember at Ricky's wedding, he came up with a rap. And Luke Walton and Richard Jefferson were there. He's making up a rap and he's looking at Luke and he's like, Luke Walton standing in all these trees looking around him like, where's the weed? You know? <laughs> <laughs> and, and like, just like totally making fun of these guys and they just love, everybody just loves it. You know, it's oh, like, yeah. if you've been made fun of by Kelly James, like you, uh, you're, you're in good company because oh, yeah. he makes fun of all the, all the great people that come to his shows, and he's at a lot of well, a lot we, of big time. We shows. had him join us for a G Love show over in Maui. Actually, two of them. Yep. Uh, one was over in uh, Paia, and then we did one at Fleetwoods in Lahaina, and he busted one out for me. And it was Dozer surfing Jaws, and it was all time. We were just literally crying. I was like, "Fuck." Where's the recorder right now, man? I gotta record this. <laughs> you shit. have to. If he ever starts, if you if you have a sense that he's gonna start picking on you, you gotta just take the phone out. Yeah. And just video it because it's it's all time. And and you ask him like Kelly, do you remember what you said about me? And and it's like, no, just stream of consciousness. He just goes he, and he has perfect. no idea Flawless. what he just said two minutes ago. He's just like it just comes out. Yeah. And it's it's brilliant stuff. I mean, it's really. The guy is one, so smart. Yeah. And, um, yeah, he's just become a great, he's become a great friend. And, you know, my wife and his wife get along great. And they've got a couple kids now. Yeah, he so, just had a new baby. Yeah. So, so we've been, congratulations, you guys. Yeah. So we've been, uh, yeah, he's, he's been a, uh, he's been a great uncle to my two kids, McKenna and Kai. And, and, um, yeah, he's, he's taken my daughter to, you know, the bird's nest, uh-huh. pre, like the pre show. Um, you know, he's like doing doing warm ups or whatever. Right. He takes her in there, and I'm like, "Dude, you're taking my daughter to the bird's nest at like five <laughs> years old, bro? Come on!" But that's what Uncle Kelly does. That's he can get he away does. with it, oh, you yeah. know. But he's got his own kids in there too. So yeah, yep. yeah. So now he's bringing his own kids in there. But uh, but yeah, he's he's uh, he's one of my favorites, man. He's one. Of, he's a great friend. And yeah, I love him. So yeah, it was a cool intro that that uh, he he got the two of us together and. 
Now we're sitting here, you know, making our making our own music. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, well, I talk about last night, so it's kind of a different kind of music. But <laughs> I'm kidding, totally. But uh, so you know, back to your little uh, your golfing thing. Um, are there certain golfers on tour that just intimidate the shit out of you? You know, if you get paired up with them, um, man, I would say. I think it's always a little bit intimidating to play with a guy that hits it a long way. Uh-huh. You know, Bubba Watson, a Tony Finau. I mean, it's just there's you kind of feel like you're getting shitted on every time you step on the tee. You're like, Fuck, I'm gonna be forty yards behind this dude every right. tee shot. You know. And what are you shooting at? Two eighty. Yeah, I'm like two eighty to three hundred, but these guys are hitting it like three twenty to three forty, right. and you're right. like, to kind of, you know, it's like it's. Somehow it kind of gets back to like that, that manhood thing. Like, well, he hits it 340. He must have a big fucking crank, right? Right. <laughs> and if I'm only hitting it 280, well, I must have a small crank. So you just kind of like, it, it always sort of gets back to that yeah. like guy thing, right? Like that right. macho guy thing. But if you can kind of get past that prideful ego, like, ah, this fucker's always in front of me. That's all right. I'm hitting it straighter. Yeah, you just be like, dude, so, I'm going to just play my game. I'm going to stay yeah. in the fairway. I'm going to make a bunch of putts and drum this dude. So I think intimidation-wise, intimidation if you can get over like a dude hitting it 320 and pissing on you every time he right. hits, uh, then then that, that part of it kind of goes away. Um, other intimidating factors, I mean, probably like, a, I mean, Tiger wearing that red shirt on Sundays, you know, yeah. um, that's that's definitely probably the one dude that was like super intimidating. Uh-huh. Um, Have you partnered up with him? No, I mean I've played a few Sundays like where he was, you know, um, you know, on the leaderboard right. in his heyday, like two thousand eight, you know, two thousand seven, two thousand eight, two thousand nine, where he was the guy, right? And he was winning everything. And so I've played a few a few Sundays where you look around the course and you can kind of see, oh, yeah, there's Tiger. Yeah. There he is in that red shirt. Um, what and, about like Phil Mickelson? And yeah, stuff I've, like played, that? I've gotten paired with Phil a few times. We actually played up at Pebble Beach in the AT&T together. The first three days we were paired together. Um, and he was he was awesome. I mean, you know, we've played together a few times before that, but, you know, being paired three days together, his partner was Charles Schwab. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was paired with Doug McKenzie. I'm sure you probably have run into Doug yeah, yeah. a little bit. And the uh, Schwabs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so anyway, yeah, we were, we were paired together the first three days, but Phil's a beauty, man. He's, he's probably one of those guys that's a little on the intimidating side just because he's just larger than life. You know, he's just, he literally is, he's a, he's a big human being. Yeah. And, but on top of that, he just has this aura about him, you know. Um, but yeah, he's 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 probably one of the only other guys that you would probably get intimidated, mm-hmm. you know. Besides the um, besides the old old school guys like the Palmers and the Nicholases, and right? The, you know. So anyway, you know, your, I'm thinking, ba- your baby's crying back yeah, there. Little guys, Daddy. little guys waking up. Should we bring him in for the session right <laughs> yeah, now, or what? Totally, bring him in. <laughs> bring him in. All right, let's bring him in. Nice, I love it. Um, what's his name? His name's Kai. Kai, I love it. I can't wait to see Kai. Well, speaking of uh, love to see, I wish you guys could see where we're at right now. Like I said, 
Um, this is the exact same spot where uh, G-Love and I did my first uh, podcast. And Kohanaiki is a really, really special place where, you know, I, I, luckily I built the golf course. And so I think it's one of the best there is in Hawaii. And, um, but, you know, everything that they've put into these holes and these, this community that they're building here is, is pretty insane. They don't spare anything. They just no. They've they've uh, they've spared no expense, no. and I think they're you know they're they're attracting the right clientele, and um, and this clubhouse is going to be nuts. I know seventy thousand seventy thousand square feet. Wow, bowling alley, crazy movie theater, movie theater. I mean, just crazy. Yeah, they're they're asking me to help bring in the New Year's band for this yeah who who are they who are they thinking of bringing oh my gosh people somebody they you know they were can you bring like beyonce can you bring like um oh what's the other hawaiian guy's name um bruno mars oh bruno mars yeah no Uh, but i already checked into bruno he's busy and so i'm jimmy buffett maybe journey you know there's there's a bunch there's yeah so well i'm sure they're they're not going to skimp on, on yeah. the uh, on the fee for the no this for the place, talent. They don't skimp at all. No. So, but what, you know, the good thing is, you and I will both be here to whoever it is, <laughs> yep. and having a blast. Yep. So. Yep. I think I've got my I've got my trip already planned. I think I'm coming on the first, but depending on who they get, maybe I'll come in the thirty first. Yeah, and G Level will be here too. Nice. So we're going to be doing another show with him and and then just cruising. You know, the last time me and G uh, were here, we played golf. We only made it through, I think, hole number 14, and we were shit-faced. Oh, yeah. Because the comfort got, stations. Yeah, the comfort stations. How do you turn down pineapple vodka? And, and Mai Tais. Mai Tais, margaritas. margaritas. And, oh, my gosh. We <laughs> And we went to town. It was middle of the day. We were just so hot and sweaty. <laughs> we were just like, we looked at the waves. We we're on 14 and we we're like, dude, the surf's firing right now. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go surf. We had no business surfing. <laughs> <laughs> no business. It was like drinking and driving, but surfing. You yeah. know? That is funny. It was radical. We went out there and just fell on our face a whole bunch of times. That and, is awesome. Yeah, because you can just go right across the street from. 14 green. Yeah, well, it's just, actually not even a street. Yeah, it's not even a street. So it's the golf hole. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, you should just put your boards on the beginning of the round, play 13 holes. Right. And then on 14, last, just last walk across the street station. with your boy, with your board. and Yeah, we're done. Get after some pine trees. Oh, it's so much fun. Do you surf out there? Uh, I have My father-in-law goes out quite a bit. Yeah. Um, if I was in town for longer, I would, but... Man, I always seem to get super sore. Mm-hmm. Like, and it just it hits all the muscles that for golf, I seem to like. Those are the ones that stay sore for the longest, and mm-hmm. then it, they seem to fire during my golf swing. Uh-huh. It's like neck and back and shoulders and stuff. Sure. Anyway, long story short, I, I, I always think it's an excuse because it's always an excuse. Look at Kelly Slater. Yeah. You know, that guy's a scratch golfer. I know. Best surfer on the planet. But he also surfs quite a bit. Every single if day. I go sur- If I go surfing once a year, 
I get so sore after it. I'm like, dude, it just ruined me for like a week of golf. I can't, I can't right. even play golf for like a week. Yeah. So that's my excuse. I, no, I, I, I know, I know how you feel. I'll take, I'll take my fins out and I'll go body surf, but pro- that's not the greatest body surfing spot in the world. But yeah, when I'm on Oahu, I'll go out to, I'll take fins and go to Makapu or Sandy's and. And go crash over there. Yeah. Do you do like stand up paddle boarding and stuff uh, like that? A little bit. I'll do a little bit here and, and a little bit on Oahu too. What do you do in Arizona? <laughs> <laughs> go to the uh, river. They just lake, built like man. Tempe Town Lake. Uh, maybe I'll take a board and like store it down there <laughs> and just go for, get a workout in. But um, dude, it's hard. It's, it's hard. That's the one thing I really miss is the ocean and yeah. just the ocean activities. There's just nothing to nothing really water wise to do there that's comparable to here well you guys got some incredible hunting in arizona some of the best elk hunting and bighorn sheep and Dude, i don't get into the hunting but teach i teach you how to do i'm that. down to i'm down to eat whatever is yeah i'm, whatever gonna, br- gets I'm gonna bring hunted. you some i'm gonna bring <laughs> you some meat kai's gonna love it kai's like dude kai's all, kai's all in on some kalua pig take me pig hunting tonight yeah so he will crush some Kahlua pig, I'll tell you that much. Oh, my God. Last night, me and Shane Doran went up the mountain and shot three nice big fat sows. No way. We're all headed back up there tonight. He's bringing his little boy. And Jackson is just a terror. He's nine years old, and he's cliff jumping, surfing, um, bow hunting, skateboarding, doing aerials. He's a freak. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, well, but, hopefully, hopefully you guys will run into the same luck that you had last night. Oh my gosh! Well, Finding all those pigs. Yeah, this place is like hog heaven. Where <laughs> we're at, it's it's a joke. But uh, so, um, back to golf here. Uh, what are your favorite courses that you like to play? Mm, probably like my top five would probably it included Pebble, mm-hmm. Shinnecock, back east. Love Shinnecock. Yeah, played the played the U.S. Open there. Oakmont um, played the amateur there uh, back in 03. And um, man, it's so those are probably three. Um, Have you been to Wingfoot? I haven't done Wingfoot. Yeah. Um, I'd probably put Cypress up there on a, on a sunny day. Yeah. There's, it's hard to beat, beat those views. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I, if, if I had one round to play, I'd probably, it'd probably be Pebble. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, Cypress, you got like three holes that you have awesome views. Mm-hmm. Pebble, you got like 10 right. that are unbelievable, unbelievable, just off the charts. Yeah. So, Another one of those courses over there that I love is MPCC, Monterey Peninsula Country Club, the Shores course. Mm-hmm. If 17-mile drive didn't cut through that, it'd be one of the top courses in yeah. the world. That's so true. Yeah. And they're just redoing that right now, actually. Yeah. It's all... It's all under it's dirt right now. They probably just put down sod actually just recently. Wow. Yeah. I loved how you were able to just drive through all the bunkers <laughs> yeah. with your golf cart. Yeah. Yeah, it was really cool. Yeah. I think I like that course um, a lot so much because it was wasn't a big name architect that came in there and built that. It was a shaper like myself mm-hmm. that got the opportunity to just go, hey, you know what? I've got a chance to design a course here and it's at pebble beach on the ocean mm-hmm. yeah so it was, it was pretty awesome the guy went to town he ended up dying right after that 
heard that yeah yeah had like a brain tumor or yes. cancer or something like that and so yeah it yeah was crazy they got the both courses are awesome there yeah and they Reese, redid the dunes Jones a couple years dunes, yeah um and and then now that they're, they're redoing the shore and it's yeah I mean, both of them are just going to be epic to play yeah and totally different feel from pebble you know they're they're more based on a ground game you uh-huh. know it's it's more I think inclusive to probably a lot of their members where it's a, a sand, sand based where they'll get run. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, at Pebble with it being so moist there all year round, you hit it and it just plugs. Yeah. And it's really cool that they kind of went, MPCC went to that sort of sand based link style ground game. Everything's kind of run up and it's, it's an, it's a kind of like abandoned dunes. It, it is. It has yeah. abandoned dunes kind of a feel to it. And it's really, um, yeah, just it, it, it's a unique, uh, it's a unique setting for that area because almost all the rest of the courses there are all hit it high right. and it's going to stop, you know, because it is so moist there. Mm-hmm. But this this takes it back to I think sort of maybe how it was originally designed. Yeah, when I was uh, when I first got over there to the peninsula, um, the first course I did was Spanish Bay. Or, I'm sorry, Spyglass. Spyglass, yeah. And they were having massive drainage problems. Mm. Um, one of the things that happens on all the courses over there, they get a huge thatch buildup. Mm. So it makes that spongy what you're talking about. Yes. So we would strip everything off. We'd uh, core out the fairways to a herring ba- herringbone drainage. Okay. And then fill it with sand. Mm. And then we do a washed sod. So there's no dirt. Wow. And it would just go right onto the sand. But it didn't matter, man. Six months later. Same thing. That's build up. All that ocean all energy. The ocean and all and the fog was, with yeah. all the Yeah, with crazy. all that moisture. Yeah. Yeah, I'd never seen nothing like it before in my huh. life. That's interesting. So and we ended up having to constantly redoing it. Redo it, yeah. So even though it'd be hard underneath, it would just get super, super spongy on and that was on all the courses. Man. So it was pretty crazy. Yeah, I think uh, I think MPCC went to like a fescue type of a grass uh-huh. um, in the fairways. So I think maybe that doesn't thatch quite as much. Right. I don't know, no. but it it seems to have held it held up pretty well. You know, with still being playable, still being running, and you know, it's um, that that area is just hard, man. It's just you know, it, as good as as good as the golf courses are there, mm-hmm. it, it does get to be a bummer when it's like the ball just plugs because everything's so moist. And yeah. that's that's the, that's the one bummer. I think, you know, Bandon does a really good job where, man, everything stays running, even though it gets, you know, yeah. pretty moist up there too. And things, things still run pretty good there. Yeah. Maybe, I think maybe because it is pretty much fescue. Yeah. Um, and you know, even in the fairways, it's like kind of sometimes get a sandy lie. Sometimes it's fescue, you know. It, yeah. But you're not really bummed about it because it's your ball didn't plug. You know? Now, have you gone and played like the British Open or anything? Where um, are, are they pretty similar? Because that's what you know, I I've never, I've never played, I've never played a, a British Open. Um, St but, Andrews and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I wish. Yeah. yeah, maybe, maybe someday soon, I would love to do that. But uh, but yeah, Shinnecock, you know, is similar, you know, right. very linksy, um, and Oakmont, 
where the U.S. Open is this year, it went back to that, um, took out all the trees. They took out something like 10,000 trees mm-hmm. uh, from the last U.S. Open in wow, 2007. Yeah. Took out 10,000 trees and um, made it back to how it used to be, which was it's kind of it's kind of almost on a sand belt there and it's very hilly yeah um and they made it you know i just i actually just played it like a month ago and i mean it's firm fast and it is wow awesome yeah and from pretty much almost every hole you can kind of see out over to all the rest of the holes Mm. um whereas before with all the tree line you couldn't so it's pretty it's pretty epic. It's going to be a sweet U.S. Open to watch um, yeah. this year. How are you feeling going into that? Uh, man, I, I went through local U.S. Open qualifying, and I was first alternate. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to go wait on site in Memphis and see if see if I can see if someone withdraws and and see if I can get in and. And there's usually a really good chance, and you're on the first alternate list, so yeah, yeah, they're gonna so, be like, boom. Hopefully, hopefully something will open up, and I can, you know, all I'm looking for is a chance, and and I go out there and play. You know, it's 36 holes in one day, uh-huh. and the top guys get to go play in the U.S. Open. So well, I'll caddy for you. Let's do it. <laughs> you know, um, a good friend of ours, Adam Scott. Yep. And uh, another one, Benji Weatherly. Benji's always caddying for Adam, so I could be yes. like your caddy. Yep. So, yeah, I'm down. Let's do it. Yeah, I'm um, totally down. That I'm in. So much fun. Do you want to go to the beach? <laughs> little man's little man's starting to wake up. He's a little bit. waking up. Well, we're gonna wrap this up. Uh, Parker, thank you so much for being on the show, bro. It was great to be with you. Thanks for uh, thanks for allowing me to to be with you, and and this is just so fun to share ideas absolutely absolutely your wife is coming in right now so everybody's kind of waking up out of their naps and done with their shopping and um now can people follow you do you have a website and social media stuff uh yeah i'm on i'm on uh i'm on twitter sparingly uh just at parker mclaughlin okay um and yeah website is uh parker mclaughlin.com cool um but yeah uh twitter twitter's probably the best way to 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 get me and you're pretty easy. You'll respond to whatever. I do. Yeah, yeah. I've, I, I've been, uh, you know, I, I try to keep my head down a little bit. You know, some of the stuff on Twitter gets a little little snarky for yeah. me, but I try to stay out of that. But, um, yeah, every now and again, I'll go on there and, and just sort of see if people have written to me and I'll, I'll write back. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Well, once again, thank you again for being on the show. Um, Parker, you're awesome. I really want to see you win this U.S. Open. I want to <laughs> see you get out there and freaking kick some ass all over the world. Yeah. And no, that's the plan, man. That's the plan. I'm looking forward to hit it. Every Good major. things are coming. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hawaii in the house. Yeah. we got to represent. Heck, yeah. So, yeah. well, thanks for being on the show, and thank you, everyone, for listening. And until next week, uh, ahoy ho. Aloha. Aloha. Parker, thanks so much for being on the show. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in. You know, this couldn't happen without each and every one of you making this happen for me. And also for my sponsors. These guys, if it wasn't for them, it wouldn't be here. Uh, So big shout out to Maverick Sport Fishing. Go, if you're ever in Kona, come see Captain Trevor Child. 
These guys will take you out for the big, giant, thousand-pound marlin, uh, ahi tuna, mai mais, ono, everything you can think of. They have half-day charters, three-quarter-day charters, full-day and overnight charters. Uh, also include top-of-the-line tackle, bait, and fuel. You can find them at www.maverickSportFishingKona.com or call Trevor at 808-896-7985. Tell him you heard it on Doze Nose. He's going to take care of you and give you a big discount. I know his phone's already been blowing up from people calling saying, hey, I heard this on Doze Nose. I want to go fishing. That's where he catches all his fish on that boat, right? And yeah, that's it. So call him. Check it out. That's 808-896-7985. Captain Trevor Child on the Maverick. Also, Kona Coffee and Tea, where I get my morning crack every single morning. That's why I'm all fired up right now because of that coffee is so great. They grow the stuff up on the slopes of Hualalai. Bring it down, roasted and ready to brew every morning for us. And it's so good. I walk in there. The girls greet me with a smile. They have my coffee ready for me. They've got great food in there, too, as well. These guys are open all day long. Go check them out. Kona Coffee and Tea. See KonaCoffeeandTea.com. Also, Kona Boys. You guys all know I'm a big fan of the ocean. And I picked the Big Island to be my home because of its amazing waters and just people and aloha. And, you know, it just happens to be where I live. And it's awesome. But if you're ever going to come and spend time in my backyard, right here on the Big Island, you got to go to Kona Boys. They've been serving up gear for island life and aloha since 1996. They're the one-stop shop for ocean fun, operating a legit selection of local-style activities, including historical va'a rides, paddleboard tours, and lessons. And they're one of the only companies permitted to do kayak tours in Kealakekua Bay. So if you guys need to rent any boogie boards or bikes or surfboards, Kona Boys is your spot. Go see Frank and Brock. They'll totally take care of you. If they're not there, they have a crew of well-trained people that are who care about your experience in the water as well as your health and preservation of our natural resource. So go see these boys at Kona Boys. You can find them at KonaBoys.com. They have a great store, online store. You can check it out. Um, if you guys end up buying something, say you heard it on Doe's Nose, and at checkout, it's 15% off immediately. Promo code Doe's Nose. Or just walk right into their Captain Cook store or the Beat Shack down at the King Kamehameha Beach Hotel and say you heard it on Doe's Nose. You'll get 15% right off the bat. Can't beat that. Speaking of 15% off, our next sponsor gives 15% off as well, too, at checkout. That's Original Nutritionals, originalnutritionals.com. These guys aren't your regular meathead supplement brand. It's just pure basic and essential food and supplements to support a clean athlete lifestyle. We all want to be clean. We all, all want to be athletes. Even though maybe we're not, this stuff's going to help. Uh, my buddy Logan founded the company with a food-first approach, working with average men and women like you and I to the best action sports stars and team sport athletes in the world. These guys know how to do it right. Once again, head over to OriginalNutritionals.com. See what they got. Check them out for listening. Those knows at checkout. 15% off. Also, Deuce Jim. Logan started that too in Venice Beach. 
These guys are awesome. These guys, they they cover everything from all kinds of workouts, from from strongman training to uh, strength training to cardio. You need it. They got it. Go in there and see them. Logan and Lindsay, they'll take care of you. It doesn't matter if you're 8 or 80. They will help customize a workout plan to get you healthy and in shape and caring for that temple that you guys are walking around in. Also want to talk about my friends at Hurley. Um, with the launch of Hurley, Bob changed the perception of what surfing can be. And that's Bob Hurley we're talking about. He started the company back in 1999. I'm kind of skipping all over the place, but that's all right. We all know Hurley makes the best board shorts on the planet, hands down. No ifs, ands, or buts. So is the rest of their clothes. And they're awesome. They've got a whole great selection. So check them out. Hurley.com. And see what all the top stars, surf stars are wearing. And then you can dress just like them. And dress just like me. That's Hurley.com. GoPro. GoPro has been transforming the way people visually capture and share their lives. You know, that those little tiny cameras that we all take out, put them on our surfboards or on our bicycles. Yep. What began as an idea to help athletes self-document themselves, uh, GoPros became a standard for how people capture themselves engaged in their interests, whatever they may be, from extreme to mainstream, professional to consumer. GoPro enables the world to capture and share its passion in the form of immersive and engaging content. For more information, visit GoPro.com. They don't give me a promo code for that because these things are awesome. I, I wish they would, but they don't. But go to GoPro.com or connect with GoPro on social media. YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, which I just joined lately and it's been fun. And uh, look at it. Thanks, everyone, for being on this show. Love you guys all long time. And I can't wait to talk to you guys next week. So until then, uh, here we go.